You're listening to the Future Tech Health Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Until I reached age 40, I never realized the obvious, that we all have medical issues, or we at least have a family member or close relation that had, has, or will have them in the future. Medicine and biological systems are the final frontier. Until we've conquered death, figured out how life began, cured cancer, and understood our purpose in the universe, there's a heck of a lot to talk about when it comes to our health. Future Tech Health means I'll be covering futuristic topics that are actually already in clinical trials or even starting to appear on shelves or by prescription or available for your own use. We dive deep into stem cells, CRISPR-Cas9, the science of sleep, epigenetics, medical testing, cancer, ketogenic diets, stem cells, aging, regenerative medicine, and more. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a serious medical problem. Remember, however, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoy the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and share it with friends. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health Podcast. I have Leah Segedy. Um, she's the author of Green Enough, Be Better, Live Cleaner, Be Happier, all without driving your family crazy. <laughs> uh, she's the founder of the Momovation Community, founder of ShiftCon Social Media Conference, food activist, and social media consultant. So uh, glad to meet you, Leah. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be on the show today. Yeah, I, I know you probably didn't just wake up as a, a food activist, so you must have gone through some travails and trials. So what's your background? How did you get to this point? You know, you're wrong. I actually did wake up as an activist. According to my mother, oh. I had lots of opinions starting when I was just one years old. <laughs> oh, well, that's cool. Okay. You still had a journey, though. <laughs> um, I have red hair, so I am a, uh outgoing, loudmouth redhead. Um, with freckles and blue eyes, um, quite amusing, I would say. No, but but really, when it comes to uh, working in you know safe food, wellness, you know, um, consumer watchdog type of work that I do all the time, it's based on my family. And about 13, 14 years ago, my father died of cancer. It was a rare form of lung cancer, and it was called mesothelioma. A lot of people have heard of mesothelioma if they've ever been exposed to asbestos. And my father was exposed to asbestos um, at work. And, um, you know, it's like you, you, you live your life one day and then the next day you decide, you find out that the person who you love the most in the world is dying. And, you know, that's where my story started as like a bittersweet, um, type of thing where my father was dying. And at the same time I was pregnant with my first child and I'd just gotten married. So, you know, I just got married and boom, I got pregnant. And then I found out that my father was dying and I quit my job and I helped my mother care for my father up until the very end. And it really rocked me to the core. And after my father died, my aunt died of cancer, my uncle died of cancer. And then my other favorite uncle died of well, he was a he was a vet, a VA vet, and he had post traumatic shock disorder coming back from Vietnam, and they just 
just didn't watch his medication really well. And, you know, his kidneys and his liver just died and he couldn't get a transplant. So over the period of five years, I lost so many people that I loved and were, were so important in my life. And then my family was just completely decimated. We had this humongous family with like uh, Christmas and Easter, you know, it was like 40, 50 people in a room. And it went from that to a little small handful of people. So that really, that really impacted my life. And I think most of what happened is I really, when I do my work, I can, I can feel women that are similar to me where they're just kind of overwhelmed and they don't know what to do when it comes to health and wellness. And what do I buy and where do I go and what do I do? And, you know, you walk up and down the aisles and you see all of this marketing come at you, but what does it mean? And women in this world, I feel are just really struggling to make sense of it. It's not that we don't have information. It's that we have too much and we're struggling to figure out what is it that is relevant to us and what of it is not. And, you know, as a woman, when you're raising a family, that's the most important job that you will ever do in your life is your legacy. And, you know, to bring up your children and, you know, my, my job, job that I work with activism is also very important, but my children and my family is the most important thing to me. And I want to make sure that in the future they have better choices, that women that are bringing up children are not really sacked with the amount of stress that they should have trying to figure out, you know, what is the best thing to buy. So what I really, really like to do is make their life simple. Very, very simple. And, you know, in Momovation, I have momovation.com, which is my website, which is where we do that. We simplify things based on science. And we look at uh, a lot of different uh, product categories, like different types of food and different types of products, like, you know, pans and like, say, probiotics, or, you know, um, we just did hand sanitizers. We do all these like category investigations. And we look at all of the brands that are possible to acquire and purchase in the United States. And so based on that category, we could have anywhere from like, 30 to 150. And then we kind of make it easy for women, bad, better, best based on ingredients. And that's what I really like to do is, is make women feel calmer, make them feel more secure and just like, you know, less stressed out because, you know, life is already stressful and we have a lot of toxic things around us. And so, you know, that's why I do what I do. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, My wife's been on, you know, a similar journey for a long time. I remember years ago, she would, you know, go to the store and look at all the products and she didn't know what was what, and she's reading and watching and learning and asking questions, yeah. and she's always worried about me and herself and the kids, and you know. Yeah, well, I mean, it started with me doing that, and I, you know, I have a master's in communication management from USC, so I have a master's degree in public health communication campaigns and persuasion, and how to get people to understand what is better for them through communication. I have that exact degree. So if you're talking, if you're asking me, you know, like how are you qualified to do, you know, what it is I'm doing, I'm I'm doing exactly what I'm qualified to do, and you know, I I do a lot of large scale, uh, you know, public health type of um, communication campaigns online. Um, and, and we do it and we organize women. But the reason I'm really able to do this is not just because, you know, of me, but, but it's because of who I have behind me. So over the 13, 14 years that I've been in social media, in that time, um, I lost over 100 pounds. And that was how I started. And it was started by changing the health of my life after my father died. And at first, what I thought was health was all about weight. And I didn't really understand anything else but that. So I lost a ton of weight, and then started up a community online. And based on 
um, that community that I first started grew and grew and grew and it was really, really big. And so we had, I had a lot of um, different type of um, professionals, you know, uh, that would advise me from pediatricians and different scientists and, you know, um, business owners and all kinds of stuff. And over the 13 years, we have organized um, influencers working in eco-wellness, talking about wellness issues. We've been, you know, uh, organizing nutritionists. We organize dietitians. We organize we help organize um, different things online. So with momovation.com, that is my website where I, where I put out content. And so that's all the content that I'm talking about. Bad, better, best, consumer watchdog information. What's going on you know, with my life and the products in my life and what I'm buying? And what are they telling me and what are they not telling me? And what do I really need to know about? And what do I can just forget about? So I do that on Momovation. Okay. And then I have the ShiftCon social media conference. And that's where I gather all of the green wellness bloggers together in one in one weekend and we're having in Atlanta, Georgia, and it's going to be October 3rd to the 5th. So anybody who wants to stop by that's um, really, really interested in eco wellness and has a website and is considered an influencer, please stop by. We'd love to have you. So um, that community, I'm the founder of that community. And then I also have a blogger network where I have just over 10,000 influencers in my network and we pair them with organic and natural brands. And they're of course the brands that passed my spec. So they're only brands that are in my best categories, which is really awesome. So no network does that, but mine, but I'm really, really busy. But at the end of the day, what I said before is, you know, I was born an activist. I was born, you know, telling people what was the right thing to do. And, you know, when it comes to public health and it comes to ingredients, that's pretty black and white. You can figure that out. But what I like to do is I like to help empower women and show them that they're more powerful than they think they are. And using and wielding that dollar that they have is one of the greatest powers that we have together collectively. And in, in very, really, really short years that, that, you know, that I've been working in, in food activism, my gosh, I used to walk up and down the aisles and not see a single organic product. And now you see organic products, you know, just lining the shelves. Um, there's so much more choice out there for people, um, people like me. And it's just, it's really exciting to see so much change and so much um, good things happening, you know, just really good things that are happening. So what are, what are some of the top issues or misconceptions that are out there in terms of good or bad foods or good or bad products that you've uncovered that really, really struck you? You know, the most interesting thing that I have run across is that idea of indirect additives. And that is where the next level of um, consumer, I would say, shock is going to come from. And I don't know if you have seen a lot of this, but uh, indirect additives are the packaging that happens. It's the processing contaminants. It's all the things that happen to the food that are not an ingredient. So it's like, for instance, an indirect additive would be maybe bisphenol A, which is, you've heard of BPA, say lining a can right. or BPS lining a can. Now that chemical was not added as an ingredient in your food. It found its way in there through leaching. And our government has about 4,000 of these quote unquote indirect additives approved for commercialization. So that means that the government knows they're there. They don't know how much is in there, but they understand that leaching is going to happen there and they're going to be in there. And those chemicals are the ones that scare me the most. So those are things like 
phthalates, which is a plasticizer. Those are things like perfluorinated chemicals that can get in your food through packaging. Um, things like uh, bisphenols, like we talked before, that would line a can. Um, and, and you know those, and then even um, pesticide contaminants. Those types of things are not in the ingredient label, and those are the things that I'm really, really, really concerned with. So you know when we do investigations, some of those investigations are very easy for us to do because they're based on what's in the food and there's the ingredient and then they have it on the ingredient label. But I care about what's beyond that. And that's where I believe that this world is going because some of the nastiest chemicals that we're finding right now are those indirect additives and they're coming from, you know, packaging, contamination, all of that. Yeah, I guess it's sad. You could spend a lot of time and effort getting an organic, you know, uh, really seemingly healthy food product or drink, but depending on what it's packaged in, that could uh, totally kill it. Yeah, and you're exactly right. You know, people's eyes right now are on the food and they're on organic food and not eating pesticides and those types of things, which are really, really, that's a really good move. That's a great move to avoid pesticides and to avoid all of the additives and, and preservatives and all those things that your body does not need and doesn't like to process. Great. But the next level is these indirect additives. And this is where I work with a lot of my partners. So on my scientific partners and my NGO partners or nonprofit partners that do a lot of testing. And so then behind the scenes, I will see some of this testing and I'll be like, we got to do something about it, you know? So we get it, we get together behind the scenes and, and put on campaigns and things like that to pressure these companies to look into these issues because they're just as important as the actual food because they become part of your food. You eat them, you know? And it's like, I, in my book, Green Enough is a, is a book that came out last year that talks a lot about this stuff. I refer to indirect additives kind of like a toddler snot. So let me, let me paint a picture for you real quick, just so you get an idea. So like if you, you have kids, so uh, if you have a two-year-old, yep. you know how their noses are always like, just they're always snot everywhere. Like children have snot that's coming out of, you like, you wonder what orifice that piece of snot is coming out of. And there's always snot as a mother. So you're just used to that. That's not a big deal. But let's say you're eating a hamburger, right? And you and your two-year-old are eating a hamburger and say, let's eat, let's say he's eating chicken or whatever. And he wants a bite of your burger and he's got snot all over his face. So you know what's going to happen. He's going to take a bite of that burger and his snot's going to get all over your burger. Cause of course, of the way he bites it and he's got a little face. And so now you have snot on your burger and you bite and eat that burger. Is that snot an ingredient in your food? Right, it's not. Yeah. It's, so, it's not. yeah. So indirect additives are kind of like chemical snot, and they get and I, you know, they're 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 an ingredient in your food, and I believe that they should be counted, and we should know that they're there, but we're not there yet. So that's kind of like where I would like to see this go is where food companies start testing for things, and so we get an idea what we're walking into when we consume a product. Now, the easiest way, the easiest way to get rid of all of these indirect additive chemicals, or the vast majority of them, is to just process and cook your food yourself. Honestly, that's the trick. You know, you buy the, you buy the pizza yourself, you go home, you, uh, not buy the pizza, you buy the flour, you buy the this, you buy the that, you cook the pizza in your house with your ingredients. And when you do something like that, instead of buying it from a fast food place, you know, it's not just say the preservatives that you're avoiding, but you're also avoiding the perfluorinated chemicals that are coated on the pizza box and those types of things, which are linked to damaging your immune system. Those are the kind of things that you avoid when you decide to cook and process your food on your own? Well, you know, the problem is I know from my own food journey is you could have like two pieces of chicken sitting there. One could have been, you know, raised, grass fed and fed well, et cetera. One could have been, 
you know, chemical to death, but they look identical to the yeah. eye. And then now when you add in the packaging and all that, I mean, how would you ever know as a consumer what your stuff was packaged in or not? It's really tough. Yeah, so the meats are difficult to get completely away from the plasticizers, which is why I kind of say most things, not all things. So if you think of indirect additives, it's kind of ubiquitous, kind of like nano nanoplastics are ubiquitous. You know, they just did a study the other day and they found that pretty much everyone who's drinking, anyone who's eating and, and drinking anything on the United States is pretty much has nanoparticles of plastic, you know, nanoplastics inside their body. Nobody knows what that does. And there's no real way to get rid of all of it because plastics are in everything. But I think the point here is to lessen as much as you possibly can. So it's like it's like that idea to be aware of it. And instead of having, you know, uh, grams of it in your body, let's do milligrams, you know, or something like that. So it's just not as much. And your body doesn't have to try quite as hard. Now, it's interesting. Some chemicals are worse for men than women. So if you have that understanding, that's great. Um, you know, we talk a lot about that in momovation. So like, for instance, you know, the chemical bisphenol A, bisphenols are really, really, really bad for girls. They're bad for boys too, but they're really bad for girls. And then, you know, there's another chemical called phthalate which is a plasticizer. You'll find phthalates um, um, in a lot of things, but you know, you'll, you'll, you'll find it in a lot of like, say for instance, um, Kraft and Mac cheese, you know, that uh, Mac and cheese from box and stuff. And they have that powdered cheese. Even if that powdered cheese is organic or not, it still contains phthalates because phthalates are an indirect additive. They get in through plastic, uh, plastic, Things are plastic things that are used on the dairy farm, basically, or they're in, they get in through that way and they get in through the, um, the processing at the plant. So those types of things you can't get rid of completely, but you can definitely lessen their impact and you definitely can lessen your impact in things that are primarily bad for your sex. You know, if you're a male or a female, and that's what I would recommend doing. Well, how much of an effect have you seen various levels of improvement in someone's food intake? You know, if they you mean go in like from just regular, regular stuff to organic stuff, you know, and then organic stuff to, you know, non-packaged things, and then non-packaged things, and they add in yet another layer of improvements. Like what, you know, how many levels have you seen there are, and how much improvement have you seen at various levels? Are you able yeah. to even get a feel for that? That's an interesting question. So I have seen this. I mean, we've been, I've been working on helping people detox their homes for about six years now. And I have seen a really relevant type of thing. So what I'm noticing is, you know, people who have autoimmune disorder or they have a lot of IBS type of issues, when those types of people avoid the really harmful indirect additives, those types of people will see results right away, or they will should start to see something happening. Um, people that are normal every day, I don't necessarily think they're even going to know. You know what I'm saying? They may or may not know. Because what this is about is, you know, what it's been explained to me before uh, by my uh, by Pete Myers, which is, you know, one of my my favorite scientists that I work with. And several other people, you know, they explain to it like you have a bucket, every bucket, you know, is, is a different bucket. It's a different size. I don't know how big your bucket is. My bucket could be tiny and yours could be big, but that bucket represents how much of these hormone disrupting chemicals we can afford to have in our body before it starts to disrupt our entire system. And so the point is nobody knows. So when you get to the point that these things actually start harming you, getting rid of them and getting less of them in your life will help with something. I don't know what, but 
it could help with something. What we've seen a lot is people get uh, significantly more energy. They're, they're, they're not as tired, I would say. A lot of the autoimmune type of stuff lessens a little bit. We've seen people have um, lower inflammation, those types of things, um, less uh, like um, problems with their stomach and less of like that fog, that brain fog that you get. And I think it's a, a lot of this stuff is we could kind of like uh, get it confused with just being a mom, you know, moms are tired because they've got kids and moms are this because they've got that and all the stresses of the world. But I, there are a lot of these things are chemically induced as well as it just being, you know, something that we're having to deal with from having a difficult life. But if you have autoimmune disorder, which I have and a lot of other people have, um, these types of things can make a difference in your life. Um, but here's the other thing. I don't know what's going to make a difference with your life versus somebody else. And so I'd have to preface it with that. But we have seen a lot of reactions in, in a positive way. But we've also seen some interesting things happen, you know, in the opposite way, too. So I I had a girlfriend who started, I'm trying to remember what, what the situation was, where she started eating um, organic food, but she was eating a lot of processed stuff. You know, she wasn't eating, she wasn't cooking her food. So she wasn't quite getting the results that she was looking for because it was a lot of processed organic. So I would say if people really want to get the benefit of um, uh, the energy and all of those other things that I'm talking about, um, try to go with the less processed organic food. But the other thing um, that I wanted to say is, and I probably should have stated this in the beginning because it's, it's, it's really important, is you know when you're changing and detoxing your home, there's a lot going on here. There's food, there's you know uh, packaging chemicals, there's your personal care, there's cleaning, there's your indoor air quality. There's all kinds of things to think of, and you can't, you literally cannot do it quickly. You can't do it quickly, and there's a lot of reasons behind that. So you know what we recommend that people do it slow and steady. And the older your children are, the slower I would do it. And the reason for that is, and it, and it's a really good reason. Um, there's your physical body and then there's your mental body, right? And your mental and your mentality. And you have to kind of balance the two together to get to the finish line. So if you, if you pissed off everyone in your family, right, by literally taking away all their bread that they like and all the things that they like and not putting it back in the refrigerator, you get a mutiny, right? And that mutiny is going to go along on for a while because you decided to change their life. They didn't sign up for this. And so the mutiny is what we want to lessen. And so what we actually do in Momovation is we, we do some really, we're kind of sneaky. We do a couple of things here and there so that they don't notice the changes. And then, you know, they, they can't really complain so much if you make a small little change because people know it's good for them. So small little changes work. And then you get them gradually uh, used to whatever those changes are. Then you make a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And that idea is to not make it painful on them. Now, women are very pained by this because we want to go a thousand miles an hour and change everything. But when you understand that it's the finish line you need to get to and you can't get there if you just like, you know, remove everything right away, then it makes more sense. Um, and so over the years, we've had um, a lot of community members doing it the slow way. It works fantastic. You know, takes years, like I'm talking one, two, three, four, five years, but they definitely maintain a lifestyle that they can, again, maintain. And then people that go at it really quick, they get overwhelmed and they just, they give up and then they get mutiny at home. So that's one of the things that we, we recommend. And it's, you know, if people are listening in the audience, there's so much to do. 
Um, it's easy to join our community. If you just go find us on Facebook, it's Momavation, M-A-M-A-V-A-T-I-O-N. Just find us and we'll let you in. Unfortunately, sorry, Richard, it's ladies only, but uh, there's like okay. thousands of mentors in there, thousands of other women to mentor and help. And so that's kind of all together. We do this together. It's not like I'm not the star here at all. You know, what I really try to do is facilitate other women supporting other women because we all have different experiences. And, but it's really awesome to see this happen because, you know, once you walk into a positive community that everybody kind of wants to support you and help you win and has been there and done that, it's different. Once you feel that support, you feel like things are possible. No, it's just funny. As you talk, I can hear things my wife says. I, I, I imagine you speaking to her and she would be like, yep, 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 yep. It's just, you know, like my mind as a man doesn't work like a woman's mind and I've had many conversations right. with her. Like, I go say to her, what, what's on your mind? She'll go, everything. Yes. Yeah. Well, and it, it's really possible. And I'll tell you why, Richard. And this is probably something I don't know if you if you took this class in college, but a man and a different are actually men and women are very different in their brain structure. And and what it is, is there is something called the corpus callosum that divides the right and the ha- the right and the left hemisphere. Now, men have thicker corpus callosums and women have thinner ones. And what that means is, is that women can go from right, left, right, left, right, left. And it, we can do it very quickly and very easily. So we multitask. Men are stuck in one side of the brain, which is why you guys are kind of stuck in general sometimes. And it also, it's also a reason why women are, um, you know, we're, we're not so much about, you know, if there's war or there's peace, women will decide for peace because we know what war comes with all the bad things. And that's what we can, we can, we can think of and, and warn everybody about. So it's kind of like the two sexes together. We kind of complete each other. I just wish you dudes would let us be in charge a little bit more because I think that would solve a lot of the world's problems of balancing these things out. But you know, Hey, I just, I just remember like having conversations, you know, I, I'm not trying to take this off topic, but I remember I told her one time, I said, you know, when I say the sky is blue, you know what I'm really thinking? She goes, why, why, what? I said, the sky is blue. <laughs> so I just, I just think that I, I guess it makes a lot of stuff you're making, what you're saying, it makes total sense. And I, I couldn't express it like you do, but I at least can hear that women would identify with you because, you know, you're speaking their language. I could just tell from what you're saying is what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah, your wife would probably love me, and I would probably love her. Yeah, she's trying a lot to uh, to improve stuff over time, and you know, I, I know it takes a lot of effort. So at least I have empathy for what you're for what you're saying and the journey and everything. Um, I do want to ask you though, what so what has been? Have you tried to interact with you know male influencers, or there's just so much to do and so many women that. You're just staying in that area of it. And if, if you have interacted with male influencers, like what's that experience like? How's it different? Oh, you know, it's, it's kind of funny that you say that because I'm very much a tomboy. And growing up, I was always around boys. I have a brother. I had 50,000 cousins, you know, and there were no girls in my neighborhood. So I can hang out with the guys and, and literally become like a guy. So I can sit there and just shoot the, you know what, with you all day long. And it's, and it's fine. And, you know, 
being with a lot of women is actually not as uh, second nature to me as hanging out with men are, because that's just the way I grew up. And so it's a different type of challenge. You would think that I probably uh, spent my whole t- my whole life around women, but that's actually not true. Um, so I have to, when I am uh, helping women, uh, a lot of times what I have to tell myself is to turn off a lot of the male stuff inside me. I'm, I'm a, a little aggressive. And sometimes I can say something without, you know, warning people about it or something. I'm a little abrupt at times. And so I just have to remind myself to be a little softer and think a little bit more. And so I think what the differences is with the way the men communicate and the women communicate, this is a perfect example. Um, if a man wants something from you, he'll walk up to you and tell you exactly what he wants. That'll just be it. That'll be it. He'll just tell you. And then you'll say yes or no, right? If a woman wants something from you, there's a little dance beforehand. And so what she wants to do is she's going to size you up a little bit. So she's going to have a little bit of a conversation and and it's going to be small talk and it's going to be this and it's going to be that. And about 10 minutes later, she's going to ask you. Now that's the difference between a man and a woman and how they talk. So I tend to walk up people and be very direct. And so I get in trouble (laughs) a lot for doing that. But living in the online world is perfect for me, Richard, because nobody can tell how maleish I am when I'm writing. You know what I'm saying? So it works in my favor that I can hide the parts about me that are kind of offensive to other women. So that's one of the reasons why I do so well online is because I'm a little bit more of an aggressive female, but it's not as, um, it's not as jolting to them in an online forum, but in person, it might be a little bit more jolting to them. But by the time they know me online, when they see me and I'm jolting in person, they already love me or they already like me. So they're expecting it. They accept it. That's just Leah. She's a ball buster, a go-getter, but it, it wouldn't work as well in person. And so that's, I'm just leveling with you and telling you, you know, those are one of my struggles. So that makes, you know, that makes social media perfect for me. It's perfect for me because it controls and I can control those parts about my personality that aren't always fun. I got a question and the products and the things you see, like, you know, I've, I've heard, I don't know if it's relevant at all, but I've heard, you know, women say, oh, a man must have designed this or vice versa. You know, yeah. do you see that in any of the products you review? Like, can you tell? Oh, God, does it even all, matter? all the time. All the time. Yeah. And, you know, they're not, it's kind of like you can tell the little things, you know. So it's like, uh, you know. I think more so in today's world, there's more things that are designed by women for women. But 10 years ago, it was really bad. You know, what, 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 what you're seeing is if, if you see, you know, new startups with women uh, CEOs or something like that, they're likely tested by women. And then, you know, you probably are not going to have that issue. But I have seen that in a lot of other products where men are the CEOs, men are the marketers, men are designing it. And then they throw it at us as, as an afterthought. And then they're like, well, do you like it? And then if you say no, then they're like, well, what the heck, you know? And they have to spend a lot of money to, to figure out the way women think. Now, here's a good right. example. You know, I do a lot of consulting um, for brands and um, they were one of these um, clients that I had. They were going to put out this commercial that basically said, oh, we made this change. So we're the best thing ever. And that's why we're so cool. And that was basically the message of the message of the commercial. And I said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You should not do that. <laughs> and, like, and they look at me like, what? And, you know, I said it a little nicer than that. But, you know, they asked me why. And I said, because if you think telling a woman that you're awesome and that's why you should buy my product is what she wants to hear you're you're fooling yourself what you want to tell her instead is i listen to you 
and I heard what you wanted, and that's why I made this change. And they completely mm. changed their entire commercial based on what I said, and they did a great job. They tested my uh, theory, and I was dead on the money. And that's exactly what women want to hear. If you're going to market to us, listen to us, and then tell us you listened to us, and that's the reason why you did it. That's what women want to hear. Women want to be heard. We want to be respected. We want to be valued. And if we're in that world, if, if, it's a, if a product respects us, if it values us and it's useful for us, then we're excited. And especially if the company listened to us. Oh, my gosh. That's like, you know, that, that's the bee's knees right there. But most of the time, brands don't do that. They don't do that. So they don't get people singing for them, you know, but the brands that do and get that, they get a lot of very loyal women because women, once they're respected and once they feel respected, they will come back for that feeling again and again and again. Okay. Interesting. Huh. Well, I know we've taken this into the psychological realm. So I guess we'll, you know, we'll get back to the, uh, the food and the, the health realm. Um, when you're able to, I mean, okay. So why do you think, there are more, a lot more organic brands, for instance, on the shelves. And, you know, what what is driving companies either paying attention or not paying attention to what people want? I know it's a huge question, but what do you think are the real things that will get change done, reduce the amount of harmful, you know, packaging elements and, and harmful things that are in food, for instance? You know, I obviously, this is a, this is a question about money. I mean, and this is honestly what it, what it's about. I mean, what do I do for a living? I convince people that more expensive uh, products with less hormone disruption are better for them, and they should put their money in that product as opposed to whatever they're buying. All I'm doing is redirecting resources. That is essentially all I do. So if you buy from somebody else other than the person that you're buying, you're giving that other company resources, right? And for a very specific reason, you're giving them resources. If enough people do that, the big companies start to lose their market share. And then they start freaking out because their market share has gone somewhere else and they want that money back. So what are they going to do? They're going to do exactly what they need to do to get it back, which is why you're seeing a lot of the um, big general mills of the world and the Danones of the world and the PepsiCo's of the world acquiring all of these smaller companies and, and acquiring them and purchasing them. They're doing that because they would start up a, a baby company if they could, but they can't do that and, and, and get the amount of respect and admiration from you know uh, consumers that they want. They're never going to be able to do that because they're big companies. So they're acquiring the small guys. And so they're kind of, you know, they're purchasing love, you know, in a sense. But there's nothing wrong with that because that's exactly what we want to have happen. We want these guys to change based on what they're losing because what they're losing and is something that nobody needs in the first place and the consumers have gone past. So that's a great thing. So the world revolves around money. You know, for, for most of these companies, it's about money. And, you know, mm. that to me is predictable. And if it's predictable, it's workable. So if we know that they're all about money, all we got to do is keep educating consumers about what is happening, and they're going to keep buying better and better and better things. So what, what we also have to make sure that we do is we keep the organic brands and the brands that are walking into the natural world, we keep them honest. Because we have to remember, remind ourselves that, you know, once money changes hands, then, you know, different things happen. And so even if it's an organic brand, even if it's a natural brand, we still have to watch them a little bit just to make sure they stay honest. Because as they're growing, you know, we want them to keep growing growing as an organic brand or growing as a better brand or growing as a natural brand. So, you know, that that's that's what I see in the future, more of that happening. But of course, it's going to be things like, 
indirect additives are coming because we're pushing them hard, you know, bisphenols, phthalates, perfluorinated chemicals, all that stuff. That is coming. So you'll start to see that more and more in the next two, three years, because whatever I do, it's like three years behind. <laughs> so you'll start to see yeah, this a little, right. a little inkling, a little inkling of that I've seen is, oh, this, this food was uh, produced in a facility that, you know, has nuts in it or something. Right. So that's really the only that's one of the few inklings I've seen of anyone talking about the packaging. Yeah. So, I mean, that is on packaging. And ironically, I have a son that has a nut allergy. So I see that all the time and notice it all the time. So I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, but it's, you know, it, here's the thing that's the most awesome about humans. They're malleable. We change. We never stay the same. Even though we look the same, we walk around the same, you know, and we kind of act the same, you know, from thousands of years ago to now, we can still be, you know, what's all the time. But but we change and we're always progressing forward most of the time. And so when it comes to food, people think that they know a lot now. They're going to learn more and they're going to learn more and they're going to learn more. And the more they learn, the better they do. And if they don't do better, it's just because they're overwhelmed. And so when all those other companies start improving, then those people that are overwhelmed that can't make those decisions are going to be better off anyways. So, you know, the way the world is going right now, I have I actually have a lot of hope. I'm one of those people where the the, it, everything is half full for me. And, you know, that's why I can work in toxics and be a pretty happy person because I know that things are getting better. They can only get better from here. And I'm seeing them get better. And I'm seeing a lot more people become aware of the topics that five years ago were just frustrating for me because nobody knew about them, you know? So things yeah. are getting better and they're going to continue to getting better. And education is the key. We got to keep social media. Um, we have to keep it open and free. We absolutely have to do that um, to be able to to, you know, get information about health and wellness to the masses and to be able to, you know, pressure companies to do the right things, we need to have open and free media. So that's, you know, people believe in health and wellness, then, you know, having an open and free media is also going to be really important because that's not possible um, if we have big media companies controlling everything that's happening. When you mentioned, um, you know, some of the small brands that people love are being bought up by the larger brands. No, so two things. Have you seen that as a brand grows, no matter how organic and nice and et cetera it is, does it does it mutate into something bad or do they still preserve their origins? And what happens when a, a large company buys a smaller brand, you know, that one that was like let's say organic and et cetera, do they change the brand or do they leave it alone? You know, that's a good question. And the answer is uh, it could be either. So there's a lot of companies. So back in the day, if you remember that brand Kashi, right, there is a terminology in the natural industry that says you don't want to get Kashied. And what that means is Kellogg's acquired Kashi and then basically threw away all their suppliers and used their own. And it basically became Kellogg's. It said Kashi on it, yeah. but it was basically Kellogg's. Well, the consumers saw that and they hated it and they stopped buying Kashi. And that became a warning to all the big companies to not be overbearing on the brands that you acquire. So what I've been seeing and what's been happening lately, and this is like within the last three years, a lot of these companies will get acquired by big, big, big companies, big companies like General Mills and Danones and et cetera, et cetera. And the big parent company will kind of just stand there and be like, okay, now go do your thing. 
the what the big company will do is give them larger distribution, which means you'll see this company in Target now. You'll see it in CVS. You'll see it in right. you know Walgreens, and you'll see it everywhere, which I think is amazing. Now, the cool thing, the best thing about an organic product is an organic product has to have an organic certification, and no matter what they do, they can't not put organic ingredients in their product, or they lose their certification. So when it comes to an organic brand, you're protected from that idea. So a lot of people, when they get upset about big brands acquiring a little brand, you don't really so much have to worry about the ingredients as you have to worry about other things that are happening. Like uh, maybe they'll come out with something that's not organic, right? And put it next to an organic thing and you're thinking it's organic and it's not. Something like that would happen, you know? Or they just become a big monster, right? And they lose that feel that they had when they were smaller. Those kind of things happen. However, I have seen something in, in my, in, in the supplement industry, I've seen um, a brand get acquired by a large company and that brand was not, they didn't have everything in their bottle that they said they had in. So this is the opposite thing happening. So this is when getting acquired by a large company was in their best interest because what happened for the consumers is those supplements got cleaner. They actually got cleaner because the, the, you know, Hmm. The lawyers come in and they're like, we got to vet everything because now you're part of this big, huge corporation. And now we're now we've got a big target on our back. So if you sue us, they're suing the parent company. They're not really suing the baby company. Right. So then all of a sudden, right, the lawyers come in and then, you know, the Q&A people, the quality assurance people come in and vet it to the degree that it would not have ever been able to be vetted as a small company. So, you know, I don't mind so much when the supplement companies get acquired as when the, you know, I think the supplement companies getting acquired, I actually like that a lot more because those types of things happen. And in the supplement industry, that's like the wild west right there. You know, there's so many people that are out of FDA compliance. It's not even funny. Um, So, you know, it could go either way. And so, so I don't want to go go down on you know acquisitions because I think acquisitions you know are cool but I do what I don't want is for five food companies to own all of the organic brands I do not want that to have happen at all right, and right. If you're the kind of person who loves organic and loves people that don't sell by nature's path nature's path has had like umpteen offers and they are never selling. So if you want that kind of brand, go get their cereal because those guys are awesome. So what I was saying is if you really like organic brands that don't sell and are never going to sell to a big company, go buy nature's path. Cause that's one of those companies that has had umpteen offers and they're not selling. They're staying the same. Okay. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it just seems so difficult to really navigate what the, you know, what to do. Have you seen, and the, on, the, on the other side of the coin, have you seen that for most people, if they make a few adjustments, they can really experience a lot of improvement? Or, you know, are there cases of people that really have to just go whole hog and make tons of changes in order to improve their health? Yeah, I've seen people make small changes and seeing uh, seeing impacts on their inflammation and all kinds of stuff. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, uh, one of the things that I think people probably don't think about as much is you know, if you don't even want to start in food, because food's overwhelming, right? Uh, I have some friends that started with their air quality, and that was just life-changing for them. Um, and they picked oh. up some, yep, they uh, they picked up uh, an IntelliPure, which is one of the air um, air purifiers that we like. Um, and they did, uh, they started dusting their house once a week to get rid of all the dust. And what you, what, what you don't know about the dust is, when you have dust in your house, fire retardants and phthalates are inside that dust because you have 
fire retardants from your television and your, you know, your carpet and they're attracted to the dust. So if you get rid of the dust in your home, you're literally getting rid of the fire retardants. And she just did she just went hardcore with the air and there was something going on with her air in her home. She changed her cleaning products, the whole nine. And she saw a dramatic result in her energy. She was like, she was just, she felt a lot better. It was an inflammation thing for her. And she really felt a lot better after that. It took about a couple of weeks too for her to feel it, but it was absolutely life-changing for her. And that was her air quality. And so, you know, post mm. Don't know when you you breathe in, you breathe out. If if you're not if you're not allowing your house to kind of breathe on its own, like if you're not opening up the doors and the windows and letting things kind of move around and let the air move around, you're stuck with all of the contaminants that are inside your home. So just open up the window, you know, get an air purifier, you know, do those kind of things. Those are little kind of differences that you can make that are not as emotionally heavy as the food, because I think food is very emotionally heavy because we all use food for something. You know, we either eat it or enjoying it. You know, I, heck, I love ice chocolate ice cream with like nuts on it. You know, if I'm having a bad day, that's like my like thing that I want, you know, so we all use yeah. food. So food isn't always the best place for you to start because sometimes you're really not emotionally there. You can't do it. So the things that you can do are you can start with your indoor air quality or you can change around your personal care products, you know, and use less things that have, you know, hormone disrupting chemicals in it. You know, you can, um, Another thing you do is you can change out your cookware, you know, those types of, that's a simple thing. That's pretty expensive, but that's a simple thing that you can do. That's not going to disrupt your life, you know, you know, so different things like, you know, food packaging, like what you do you have, do you use those uh, Tupperware? Do you use plastic Tupperware or do you have those little glass containers? You know, those kind of things are little simple things that you can do that are emotionally light that I think can get you that actually make a big dent in the amount of toxic chemicals that are in your life. Um, and so don't worry about those kind of things. And if, if anybody has questions about where to start, where to do, if you guys check out my book, you just have to Google green enough, um, Google green enough, it'll pop right up. And that book, um, will help you with everything from the food in your cabinet to the personal care products, your air products, everything. And it'll help you do it slowly. Um, and you could have another version of that book for men and call it man enough. You know, men are really tough. Um, I got to tell you a story. So I was working in labeling in California. So labeling uh, GMOs in California um, in about 2014, I organized all the influencers across the United States and Canada. There's about 650 of us and organized everybody to talk about labeling nationwide, even though the proposition was happening in California. Now, I, I worked in politics in the past. I used to work for the California State Assembly. And that's kind of like how I cut my teeth right after college. So I moved into social media. So that was my past. And it's kind of funny. This is where my past and my present kind of came together. So that's why I decided to work on that campaign in California. And it was one of the best decisions I ever made. But uh, one of the things that we found out, which is relevant to the men versus women, was they um, analyzed the audience, you know, and they, and they wanted to ask a question was, what do I have to say to get a man to vote yes for this, which is really funny because for women, it was really easy. Women, it was like, just talk about the potential health impacts, talk about, you know, just all of those things that we don't know. Women are like, yep, let's label it, you know, safety. That was what women need to hear was a safety message. For men, it was not that at all. Safety, tell them it's going to, whatever. They're like, yeah, whatever. Okay, I'll die. I'll die when I get cancer and I'm old. I don't care. And that's kind of like how the men were. But the interesting thing was, if you talk about taking away a guy's rights, that's when they start to get a little upset. 
So rephrasing it in that idea of, well, did you know that food is labeled in Russia, in Saudi Arabia, in all these other places that are not democratic, and you don't have that right, but they do? What do you think of that? And the dudes are all like, yeah, label that, label that, you know what I mean? So it was, it's really, it was really interesting during the campaign to see how men uh, reacted to messages versus women. And I knew this from my, you know, I, I studied this in college. I knew this like the back of my hand, but seeing it happen in a campaign was really, really interesting. And so I have not, I, I understand what makes men tick, but I don't want to do that to men. I got one husband. <laughs> you guys are enough. <laughs> That's one. And I have my still. So every other woman here, she's going to have to deal with her own man is what I'm saying. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, this is a good, actually, this is a good segue. So how does your husband react to you cleaning up the house and cleaning up the food and the environment and everything? And what have you heard anecdotally from other women? Like, how does the rest of the family, the husband and everything react when they, you know, get the bug to improve everyone, you know, improve the food and all that stuff? So my husband came across and like, I mean, it's taken my husband like 14 years to get here. You know what I'm saying? So uh, when, I love it when people ask me about my husband because they're like realistic expectations. What's your husband like? And I'm all like, oh yeah, it took him like forever to get here. Forever. And you know, I just, w- what I tried to do is I, I don't want to emasculate my husband ever, ever, ever. That's like my rule number one. And um, that's just what I try not to do. So I try not to ever make it be like, you have to do this or you need to do this. or You know what I'm saying? I make it worth his while. And the way I do that, I mean, I could tell you that there's going to be some women listening and some men listening, but you know, if my, if I wanted my husband to do something that he really didn't want to do, and I wanted to make it in his best interest to do that, how do you think I, uh, get him to do something that he might not want to do. You guys are really simple when it comes down to it, right? You only want two things. Okay. One of those things is food. The other one is not food. My wife accused me of this too, and I told her there's actually four things. There's food, there's there there is sex, there's encouragement, and then there's uh, companionship. So there really are four, in my opinion, of the uh, yeah. the pyramid of male health. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, you know, if you have a difficult husband and all husbands are are people, you have a difficult person, right? They could be husbands or wives or whatever, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, But you, you have to remember that they're their own autonomous person and they did not sign up for this. You signed them up. So as soon as you understand that part of it, you sign them up. Then you have to remember this has to be in their best interest. So it's kind of like a carrot and a stick kind of thing. And that's why I say slow and steady is the best way to go because I can emasculate a man by changing everything in his life, but I'm not emasculating him if I'm just changing one or two things and getting his permission. Do you know what I'm saying? One he's on board with and he's just kind of saying, okay, honey, whatever you want, it's not that big of a deal anyways. And little, 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 little things over years of time turn into big things. Or you can completely just say, this is how it's going to be. And that's a fight that you're not going to win because you're in a relationship, right? You got to remember that this guy is his you know, the way he feels about things are important. So you have to work with that. And that's why slow and steady is best. That's also why, you know, little changes work best. That's also why, you know, if you want to do changes like, you know, cookware, guys don't care about cookware except for the price. You know what I'm saying? Guys are not going to really care about the, um, the things that he's doing if it doesn't change his food or change the way it looks or whatever. Those things are going to bother him as long as it doesn't cost too much money. So, you know, Work with what you have. And that's why, again, I go back to saying 
again and again and again, it's not about my opinion. It's about the entire community because of those 6,000 women that we have, you know, in that little Facebook group. And that's how many we have. Um, everybody has a similar story to one other person, right? There's not going to be a single person in there that doesn't have a husband that's kind of similar to hers. So when people start right, telling right. stories, there's always one person that can help one or two people. And that's where the support is the, really the success part where you got to have these, you got to feel supported by all these women because we're all telling the same stories and we're all complaining and laughing about our husband. And then you feel, you feel lighter and, and you have more hope afterwards because you really need to have support to feel hope. And that's what we really have, along with all the scientific information. <laughs> okay. Well, this was great. So what, um, again, remember, like you said, a lot of people listening are coming from a place of overwhelm. So what's the path? What's the best path for them to get started and go from there? What do you recommend? I would actually recommend the first thing you do to not do overwhelm is to do something like focus on cookware. So, you know, we at momovation.com, we've got a great post about safe cookware. If you go to momovation.com and just uh, search safer cookware, you'll find two investigations that are all about cookware. That's an easy ways place to start. Another easy place to start is your packaging, what you're putting your food in, you know, those types of plastic things. Another easy place to start is purchasing kitchen appliances or purchasing like, you know, spoons and, and spoons and stuff, stuff that you're stirring the food with, not made of plastic, you know, those types of things. Right. Those places are places you can start that are not emotionally heavy, that will get no kickback or no pushback from your family. They may not even notice, you know, but when, for instance, if you just take that, if you go to your kitchen and you look and see your spatula, do you have a black plastic spatula. Go in your kitchen, you know, after this podcast, go look. If you have a black spatula, you have to know something really serious about black plastics. Last year, the study came out where they analyzed the contents of black plastics. And what they found was black plastics are coming from your electronics. So when you have a VCR and you throw it away, all of those fire retardants and phthalates and all those crazy things are were in and around that plastic. Well, they recycled that plastic. And then they made it into a spatula. And now you're cooking with it and warming it up and you're using it to fry your eggs with. That's not the best spatula for you. Go throw that spatula away. Get something that's either stainless steel or, you know, bamboo or something like that. Those are the kind of changes that I would highly suggest that you make in a home that are really low impact emotionally that can make a huge difference in the toxicity of what you're serving your family. Okay. That's a great start. And resources. So is the best place to start is at Momovation, like the blog, or where should people start? Yeah, so momovation.com and you go to the start here menu, it'll send you to a page that has literally every single investigation that we've done, all of our tips and tricks on how to start. And then if you join the Facebook group, you can go through the Facebook university. So if you go to the Momovation Facebook group in the back end of the Facebook group, we have a university where it can take you through your entire house step by step by step. So we, we really encourage you to join the community and to just, you know, get started. We'd love to have you. That's great. Well, Leah, thank you so much. It's been a cool call and uh, I appreciate you being here. Thanks, Richard. Hope you have a great week. How so happy to be here. You're listening to the Future Tech Health Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Until I reached age 40, I never realized the obvious, that we all have medical issues, or we at least have a family member or close relation that had, has, or will have them in the future. 
Medicine and biological systems are the final frontier. Until we've conquered death, figured out how life began, cured cancer, and understood our purpose in the universe, there's a heck of a lot to talk about when it comes to our health. FutureTech Health means I'll be covering futuristic topics that are actually already in clinical trials, or even starting to appear on shelves or by prescription, or available for your own use. We dive deep into stem cells, CRISPR-Cas9, the science of sleep, epigenetics, medical testing, cancer, ketogenic diets, stem cells, aging, regenerative medicine, and more. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a serious medical problem. Remember, however, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoy the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and share it with friends. Thank you.